This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. And welcome back to another episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Peterson. With me, as always, the other host, Eric Branson. Eric. Hey, everybody. Hey, Joe. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Doing real good. Good. So, uh, had a really great week um, uh, since we recorded our last show, where I've been able to like catch up on a whole bunch of stuff. Um, I just wanted to make a few mentions of things. Have you got a couple things that you've been uh, you guys you guys watch recently? Yeah, actually, um, and I, I guess real quickly, I'm just going to kind of let everybody in on this uh, new segment. We're going to try something on you guys, and that's uh, every day when we get together and, and chat movies, or not every day, but every show when we get together and chat movies, um, going to do a little rundown of, you know, the Video Junkyard podcast news, and no, we're not really going to talk about the news on, you know, our, our last episode got a little topical, probably not going to do that real often, um, but just going to kind of run down some stuff that's going on in the world of pop culture and especially what's going on you know uh in pop culture in our lives that isn't necessarily related to the reviews we're doing on the show so okay yeah um, yep yeah so so what do you got for well us, Joe? i mean of course i i, I think you know it, we'd both be remiss not to mention that uh in the past week we we did lose the late the wonderful uh stan lee the wonderful comic book creator um i mean i was just gonna like how do i how do i describe stan lee if you don't know who stan lee is i don't know why you're listening to this <laughs> show yeah. but yeah i mean it it was one of those things where it it wasn't surprising i knew that he had been well and yeah. he's getting older but it's it was still really crushing i mean we we have our joke right. that we mentioned at least comic books or if nothing else the dc universe in every single episode um you know so it's, we're both comic book guys i think we've made that abundantly clear throughout you know the all, all the episodes here so it's just a bit of a shame and i think you know the country everybody's kind of in mourning about this which i feel is yeah. is appropriate you know yeah me too i mean that day comes for everyone unfortunately and uh he was not a young man but it's still sad to you know see somebody that's been kind of such an important fixture in the world of pop culture and also mm-hmm. in my life um to, to say goodbye to them so yeah um, yeah yeah bittersweet because i think everybody's kind of looking back on what a wonderful career and just really what a great guy well Stanley yeah, seemed to be, yeah. So. And, and you know anytime a celebrity passes away or an artist passes away or a musician or whatnot uh you know a pop culture figure who had an impact on people you know the the, the phrase has always said you know they gave so much to this world um and, and not to diminish their uh, you know the credence to anybody else but when when people say it about stan lee it's it's very apparent you know, like he yes. he gave us universes to play in, and and that's uh, well. I mean, he his creations really what got me into comic books in the first place. The X Men and Spider Man comics are really the first books I ever picked up based on the you know getting into it via the Saturday morning cartoon shows when we were kids. So yeah, yeah. Um, Stanley is really the reason, and I'm sure this is true with many, many, many people out there who are um, you know affected by his death. But I he is really the reason that I still currently i'm reading you know comic books yep. and graphic novels so thanks stan for well, everything uh, that uh yeah 
That's awesome. You know, and I think I, I, as a little kid, you know, of course, I liked Batman and Superman, but those were just, they were characters. I think, honestly, I can say, you know, in adolescence, Spider-Man was the first character that I read and actually felt like I, I kind of connect with this guy, you know, because he was a teenager. And when you're a teenager, yeah. you relate to teenagers. So I, I would feel like Spider-Man and, and Stanley's creations were, were some of the, uh, the first things that I, I really started to understand comics for what they were, not just characters but really get into the stories uh was because of him and i mean yeah i'm more of a dc guy but uh yeah it, it was spider-man that too, it was spider-man that and and yeah spider-man and x-men that really really pulled me in uh yep. so yeah i mean what so, more? yeah and just to segue a little bit to mm-hmm. one of the things i wrote down on my list here uh the, we did a short review at one point of the dc universe app that mm. came out. So here, here's. Yeah. I'm just gonna give us a full-fledged DC mention. We don't have to build it into the Stanley thing. So, uh, just wanted to say that um, I have used it a little bit more, and I've become more and more um, kind of annoyed with some of the bugs and stuff in it. So, uh, I'm also very annoyed with them for still not having something available for Amazon um, for either Kindle or Fire TV application for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, something that just kind of and maybe maybe it was in the fine print somewhere maybe it's my fault that i didn't read it so uh but i was not aware at the point of when buying a year's worth of this service in a pre-order fashion before the service became available that it wasn't going to work on all of my devices so Mm. um a little bit annoyed with that i can read on my phone as well as watch on my roku which is on one of our tvs um it's fine the app is okay it's it's i'm still thrilled with the content uh, I haven't checked out. I haven't had a chance to check out Titans yet, oh, which is I've, their first original show. I'm but, a big fan uh, of that. It's been very yeah. good. It hasn't it hasn't let me down I, yet. I've heard mixed reviews, but yeah, I, I in general I'm I'm excited to check it out. So mm-hmm. um, I've, yeah, noticed, just, I've noticed. I've noticed kind apps... of a little follow up to that as I was kind of expecting yeah. that they were going to work out some of the kinks uh, uh, issues I've been mm-hmm. having with it, and I I haven't seen a whole lot of anything besides you know we launched it. Here's our show and. Um, yeah, it hasn't been the, added the, to the other services. The app itself, I will say, you know, uh, I'm watching it through a Roku, and I do find the app to be a bit buggy. Um, and yep. I've noticed that on my phone or on another device, uh, I'm able to search for content easier than I am on the Roku, which is okay. kind of strange. Yeah. So I, I kind of, you know, I think they definitely need to, to upgrade their their operating system here, whatever we want to call the, the platform there. But... Um, yeah, I love the content, and I love the comics, yep. and I love they also do, like, and they've kind of done this with, whenever something is big in the news regarding DC characters, they kind of put together a little, here's this character, like Doom Patrol has been in the news lately. Um, mm-hmm. and, and some people may not be familiar with the Doom Patrol who are subscribing to the service, so they give a little a feature where you can kind of get caught up, which I think is really yeah, cool. I, for, I even I need it sometimes, about too. It. Like, yeah. There's definitely some cool things about it, and it... it I think it's built to turn people onto stuff maybe they're not familiar with, and mm-hmm. um, as well as just having a bunch of like a large amount of really great content. I I don't have too many complaints with that side of things. It's kind of the tech side of things, and the fact that it they did a launch and said you know um, coming soon all this you know all the Amazon supported stuff and it's never come at least not as of yet. And I can't find anything anywhere besides the original release notice that it ever is going to come. So we'll see. Hmm. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, you, you, yeah, that's it. I'm not necessarily retracting my positive review of it, just there's something that's bugging me a little bit about the service. Video Podcast. Cool. So you wanna tell us a little bit about 
what it is we're doing tonight and why it's different from a normal show. I know we always we always intro with tonight's a very special episode because I really do feel like all of them are. They but, all of them are. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, you but, know, this is something that it. I just want to remind people that the uh, the original idea for this podcast was a little different. I think kind of like all of the projects that we've collaborated on, they they've gone through various rewrites from yes. original inception to to you know what what you're actually working with. Uh, but that's that's the yeah. Fun. Someday we'll tell the story about the most extreme one that started as a puppet movie that turned into a psycho esque yeah uh, murder. M- yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> so this the the podcast kind of came out of that too. We had an idea we should review old movies or older movies that people have forgotten, or we're gonna do, uh, you know a. The, you know, kind of a movie news thing, and and one of the things that we talked about too is just talking about themes in mostly horror, but themes in films. Uh, and so we found a way to kind of work that into the show. So tonight we're not actually going to be reviewing a single film, uh, or even like a theme of you know like we did with our Tarantino special, um, right. you know, movies that he writ- wrote but didn't direct. In this case, it's more of a mythology horror film storytelling. Uh, kind of uh, philosophy in this case we're, we're gonna uh, look a, at a, look at a trope your trope really yeah, yeah exactly look at a trope and, and see and just kind of discuss it and explore it a little bit so tonight's the uh the first one that we're gonna do and it's going to be uh, a discussion on the the origin and kind of general characteristics of the vampire versus werewolf subgenre yes you know, and I think every... It's funny because it, depending on your age, you hear people say, vampires versus werewolves. Some of you are thinking Twilight, and we need to have a talk. Um, some of you are thinking Underworld, and we're going to talk a bit about both of those. And other also people might be... Talk. No, just... Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And other, you know, other people might be thinking of different things too. But really, where does this idea that vampires and werewolves are mortal enemies come from? And in yeah, doing my I, research for this topic, wow, I, I went down a rabbit hole. But it uh, really, yeah, really I, fascinating. I kind of got my my head exploded on this one because, like many other people, I think I thought this was a like literary or some sort of um, idea that came out of the past or literature from the past or something. And it actually turns out, and we'll I'll probably jump in the gun like I always do, huh. but. Um, it actually turns out that this seems like it's a fairly modern idea of these two species of monsters being like mortal enemies. They certainly appeared in the same things. And as we'll talk about in a minute, have very, very similar, if not the same origins in mythology. Exactly. Um, But yeah, it does seem like this, you know, vampire werewolf being mortal enemies of one another is a somewhat modern, um, like modern mythology. Well, like what's that, what's the oldest? Like what was the first vampire versus werewolf story that you, you could know, find? From what I've dug up, if we're talking if we're talking movies, yeah, I'm just um, saying story in any medium, right? It could be film, could be literature, could be comic book, could be the stage in production. the 1990s. There was a group of role playing game books published by White Wolf Games called vampire the masquerade which is a a role-playing game Mm -hmm. um from everything that i could find this history of vampires and werewolves being two species 
of creatures or of monsters that are, you know, mortal enemies from, from way back in, in their histories first kind of appeared in that game. Like, that was born into the game in its original version that, um, and I don't know enough about the game. I, I'd only kind of scraped the surface of reading about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some friends that actually used to play and, and highly recommend it, but, um, but the... As far as I can tell, that's the earliest place where you actually get that historical hatred between the two, and that's like they are warring factions of of creatures that do not mix with one another. So, <laughs> so what you're saying is um, that's really where the first time the story was told that there's a long hatred among like the races or whatever, right? Or that these that these two these yes, two species where it's like, kind of thing. But but as far like as their like, moral enemies or right, historically right. are yeah. Because there have been other, yeah, like other stories where oh, prior sure, to that, stories where you know um, they run into each other and they're just like, ah, we just don't like each other. But it's not like a because of what you are. It's more of just oh, of course. You know, I mean, let's not forget the original, um, the Universal monsters were kind of later in their tenure of being, you know, the the horror studio Universal right. uh, put together a bunch of pictures that are now kind of referred to as their monster mash movies, right? You know, House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula, uh, Wolfman versus Frankenstein. Uh, or the Wolfman, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. I'm sorry, um, but all of those films, the like a kind of monster mash films where all of the characters show up, you know, Dracula, the Wolfman, Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they ever dragged the Mummy into it, although they did a hundred of those movies as well. Um, it, those movies kind of pit uh, Lon Chaney Jr.'s Wolfman versus um, Dracula in a couple of movies, and I know in um, is it House of Dracula, I believe, where Lon Chaney plays the... Plays Frankenstein's monster? Oh, man, I'm getting I know all he did. jumbled in I know, I know Lon yeah, Chaney... Yeah, he did, he did yeah. in... Um, I feel like in... Was the, it House of Frankenstein? The Wolfman, I don't know. You know, I, you know. The funny thing is, I've seen all these movies, they're just all running together in my head, and um, I always get... Uh, Lon Chaney Jr. played um, in the Son of Dracula. He played a vampire. He played the monster in one of the movies, Frankenstein's monster in one of the movies, and he also in many movies played the Wolfman. So right, um, well, he was the original Wolfman at forty one. Um, yes, you know I think Karloff, kind of in, Karloff in only did two, right? Though. Karloff only did the original Frankenstein and Frankenstein and, and Bride and Bride. Yeah, and then he was, uh, I believe, Lon Chaney did the following and then after that glenn strange did the rest right. of them so but yes i think but yeah i i, I uh, think no, no, you're no, right just... bella, bella played the monster once too bella oh, right. played the monster and uh, yeah. but yeah i think you're right i think it was in those monster mash type universal pictures that really well, was and, the first and, time you had a werewolf and a vampire fighting on t- on the screen yes exactly and in um to to, to mention universal there are really fantastic horror comedy film that they did with um, Abbott and Costello. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein kind of is along those lines too. Mm-hmm. And I think actually pits the Wolfman versus Dracula in that as well. Um, yeah. So there you go, folks. The The origin yeah. of this, of, you know, all the other things to talk about where there's this deep, you know, long history of hatred among vampires and werewolves. No, it all started with Abbott and Costello. Yeah, and actually that would be a better example than House of Dracula because now that I'm reading a little bit about it, House of Dracula is actually the one where um, Dracula, played by John Carradine, and the Wolfman, played by Lon Chaney, um, 
actually are like get together and they go out to find that um i don't remember the doctor's name but basically a mad scientist to try and be cured of their respective diseases so vampirism mm-hmm. and, and and lycanthropy um so that's not a versus movie either uh they do both appear in it but yeah i actually think abbott costello versus frank or versus abbott <laughs> that'd be funny uh abbott costello meet frankenstein is probably the best example of an early werewolf versus vampire film that i can think of off the top of my head right and that's not just off the top of my head i actually did a fair amount of reading about it now now you, you mentioned anything. you mentioned vampire the masquerade which i remember being an rpg game but i didn't really i never played it and i didn't really understand rpgs at that time i just thought it was those mm-hmm. are some people that play some kind of a game that i don't understand and they dress funny <laughs> the rule of books are hundreds of pages long and i can't yeah right and um yeah, so that was before I, you know, discovered D and D and all that too for myself. But um, as far as there was another RPG, I believe it was an RPG, maybe a game or a card game. Um, I believe it was an RPG that was Werewolf the Apocalypse. Okay. Um, yeah, I, it sounds familiar. Yeah. I don't know if... And I wonder, I, and I don't know. Maybe somebody can write in and correct me on this. I thought it was a spinoff of Vampire the Masquerade, it, but I could be it wrong. It very well could be. I think White Wolf did. I don't know. I mean, at this point, I think they have like a hundred some books in print in that series of games. Mm-hmm. So um, I could be wrong, but yeah. I know it's a, it's a very popular. If perhaps it is the second most popular role playing game, at least in the states, underneath um, Dungeons and Dragons, I would I would think what, probably vamp- with oh Vampire, gonna, Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah, yeah not, not say, the werewolf spinoff. Yeah, but, Pathfinder um, might be they've up done there everything too. from the Vampire. Yeah, Pathfinder, and that's a I think British, but um, but yeah, still a very popular role playing mm-hmm. game. Um, I could be wrong about that too. I, I, we're digging into like history of role playing games that I am, am not qualified to talk about whatsoever. <laughs> I, I play them, but I am not the authority. I, 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 I would have to do a whole different set of research. I'm just kind of talking about like <laughs> things I, I I've heard here and there, or pretend to understand what I'm talking about. But well, you know, and I think the. As, as far as, you know, with films taking it, yeah, so what were the first film, can you think of the first film where, like, these two are mortal enemies? Because, you know, we as talked like, like... As, like, as cultures, been in the 90s as, then. like... Yeah, yeah certainly. Um, the, first, the first one's kind of a funny one, and me and you have talked about this film a whole bunch of times, but the um, Howling sequel, and I believe it's the... It's the fourth or the sixth film. It's It's the sixth film. But anyway, it's The Howling Freaks. Mm -hmm. um, Is one that I remember seeing as a kid that certainly has this uh, trope of vampires and werewolves. Now, it it doesn't have the whole cultural history attached to it, but it certainly is about a vampire and werewolf being pitted against one another. Yeah. Really cool, like, backdrop is the circus and all this stuff. And um, Mm -hmm. it is, in my opinion, not to get off on doing a specific film. But in my opinion, a very underrated movie. Now it's it's pretty low budget. Yeah. Um, although I think they handle the special effects okay. Well, That's and not I, awful, you know, I think I think it's a. a I, I like the interesting film. film. Yeah. If it's on, I'm, I'm, I'll let it play. I'll I'll watch it. You yeah. know, but I I think yeah. Again, not to go too far off off topic, um, but I glad we were kind of discussing this a little bit well yeah um, and we're, we're it here feels to talk about like movies, right? it, it feels like <laughs> a howling film that was not originally supposed to be a howling film because oh, like surely. if and, you've and, seen and any so of the howling like films you know the, every the first, sequel of that yeah. <laughs> of the howling kind except for like what what's the one where they tried to 
make a was that Howling Four that's supposed to be like a more faithful adaptation of the original Howling novel. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's like the only other one that feels like it's from the same source material. Every other Howling movie is just something that got that name slapped on it at some point. Especially like the third Howling movie is just some some bizarre Australian. Oh yeah, um, but I love the marsupials. <laughs> Marsupial werewolves. Uh, it's so yeah, weird. And, Plus um, Thring is in it. I mean, it's it's a really strange film. I have I, I'm proud to own it. I mean Yeah. <laughs> I own two howling movies. The first one and three. <laughs> yeah. And it is yeah, terrible, I, I, but it's just so weird. Um but yeah. That the, one's probably worthy. This is actually the howling is something that um I have the ambition someday to get one of our franchise shows or our forgotten. Oh, franchises absolutely, on. absolutely. I think it's, uh, yeah, I'm definitely I'm, an interesting one. I'm down. Might be one of the worst long long series just in general, just because it's. I don't know. Anyway, we should do it. Yeah. Well, and I think you know. So there's that one. You're right. There's that one entry in the Howling series that that has the fighting, but it's still it's more like the Abbott and Costello film where it's more just like a werewolf and a vampire just are fighting yes. over like turf, right? Because they're both powerful monsters. But mm-hmm. there was no there's no culture, right? It's not like vampires and all werewolves hate each other kind of a thing. It's just two animals. Mm-hmm. But in this case it's more like two species. So when that started, I think actually um the earliest portrayal of that I think really was underworld i think it was the underworld yeah. films were the first ones that kind of like let's do a romeo and juliet story but with vampires and werewolves and that created which you know i was ta- i was thinking about this before we started recording tonight which was you know that's become such a popular trope now it's in every vampire and werewolf media that has followed underworld which came out in what 2003 three yep and three and everything after that, if you have a TV show or a movie series or books that deal with vampires or werewolves, the other will show up and they are like cultural enemies. Yes. And it started so after in 15 years post ago. Post Underworld. Yeah, post Underworld. And well, actually, let me, let me, let's talk about Underworld for just a minute. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on the movie itself, but like the, the cultural phenomenon that the movie started. And, and, and to me, that's probably why people remember the movie or at least have such fond feelings for the movie um it's probably more because it, it kind of kick-started this whole um kind of sub-genre of mm-hmm. romance slash vampire slash werewolf films <laughs> um although underworld is very much a as well as kind of kick-starting this vampires versus werewolf thing is very much a matrix ripoff as well so it's it's yeah it's kind of exists in this kind of post matrix um, action movie where everything's dark and everyone wears leather and has you know semi-automatic weapons, and yeah, um, it's so it's a very interesting, yep. interesting in the way you know my grandma says something's interesting, but it's a very interesting. Um, oh, that's interesting. Film because <laughs> <laughs> because uh, it's not much of a horror film. It has these no. these you know classic horror characters you know vampires and and werewolves which they call lichens in that universe um short for lycanthropes obviously um but it's not much of a horror movie it's much more of an action film yeah i remember um, reading in, i was in college and i remember reading online that oh they're 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 coming out with essentially a romeo and juliet horror film but with vampires and werewolves and i thought oh that actually sounds kind of clever 
Yeah, and that I remember reading cool. the pitch of this. And, yeah. and the funny thing, okay, and let me let me tell you real quick my my story uh, about Underworld is that I've never seen Underworld until you three lucky, days ago. You well, I was um, say you lucky man. <laughs> I've never seen any of them. I was aware of it coming out, and I I was aware of it coming out to the point of there was a movie I wanted to see, and you know how that happens sometimes. You see trailers for something, you're like, that looks really cool. I should see that. And then you never do. Yep. <laughs> it was just oh, one yeah. of those things. Um, and then, you know, it got kind of mixed reviews. And um, kind of all the people that really, really loved Underworld were not the people. And I don't mean any offense, but not the people that I was seeing eye to eye with on what were good movies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, so, um, and kind of the, the horror crowd was kind of lukewarm on it. And anyway i finally sat down and watched the movie in preparation for this show because i thought it because after seriously after all the research that i did kind of landed on the i the fact that this really is the moment where vampires versus werewolves really starts as a as a pop culture uh trope or something that we see a lot like you said like we said before it certainly has popped up before where a vampire and werewolf have faced off on screen but this is where this like you know cultural vampires hate werewolves idea comes from that they're warring species and um it really has become so much of a, a not just a pop culture trope but so much of a thing that i think people think that it's a mythological truth or but, that, which is that sounds funny a mythological it, it, truth but um, of a, that it comes from yeah, mythology and, and an established I, mythology yeah from ancient what mythology I've read i i can't find any example there yeah nor me neither i mean the only relationship i could find which was interesting in and of itself uh on the the history of this you know first of all i found the the origins of the myth of a werewolf or lycanthrope and the origin of a vampire but not not the way we think of vampires today but just any kind of you know blood-sucking undead um Mm. the the origins of those are so diverse I mean, there's, there's, I mean, essentially, well, and I don't want to get too far off on a tangent with it, but if you look at the origin of werewolves, they actually are older than the concept of a vampire. Um, Yes. Vampire is a concept. There's always been ghouls and bloodsuckers and pretty much since the beginning of time, but vampires as a concept, at least how we kind of wrap our head around them, are very much a product of the 19th century. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially um, the, the, um, yeah, I, I agree. Like the, the kind of what somebody might call the Euro trash. (laughs) <laughs> Dracula, Bram Stoker's version, or even even Lord Byron's Vampire, you know. Yep. But yeah, uh, Carmela is another yeah. novel that uh, actually I think that was uh, both va- Vampire and um, Carmela uh, predate Dracula, but Dracula they really do the one. So what I, what I actually blew read, it though, up as a cultural phenomenon that's never gone away. I mean, Dracula right. was Dracula is. I mean, Mickey Mouse just turned ninety yesterday, but he doesn't have a shred of pop culture influence on Dracula, right? He's like the pop culture character of all time. Right. He's been the most popular pop culture character since, uh, you know, the original, can't believe I don't remember off the top of my head, the original publication year of Dracula, but <laughs> it's uh, sometime in the late 19th century. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, what I was, it, and yeah, so that style, what we would say is a westernized, the western version of the vampire which is what we all know, you know, the mm-hmm. Dracula and everything past for the most part. Um, I would even throw in like the 30 days of night vampires. They're still more like 
Dracula. Eighteen ninety seven. Eighteen ninety seven. I knew it was late. Eight, I knew. Yeah, I knew it was late eighteen. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, it, you know, but if you go back to even the origins of vampirism in one form or another, because most civilizations have myths about some blood drinking ghoul, right? And yeah. that you could become one, perhaps, or something along those lines. The oldest I could find from that is actually the 19th century. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the 9th century. <laughs> sorry, the 9th century. Oh, okay. I was going to say, um, wow, that's... A... When it comes we... to uh, werewolves, though, concepts... Or, or the, yeah. Shape-shifting in general, the earliest um, recorded belief in some kind of... Oh, I mean, we're talking Mesopotamian. Yeah, and... year 27, maybe, somewhere between the year 27 and the year 66. Mm. So the idea of transforming into an animal predates well, I mean, the, blood-sucking ghouls. The Greeks, obviously, the word lycanthrope comes from a Greek myth yeah. about, you know, King Lycan transforming right. into a wolf, right? So, Yeah, and I mean, even... And actually, it's and amazing I think that's how the oldest cut, the oldest one that I found that was specifically like this man metamorphoses into a wolf. Um, yeah, but certainly there's a possibility that there's older than that. And um, in my limited amount of research, um, so yeah, like you know, anyone if if mythology is your thing and you you know you know of older cultural myths about metamorphosis or shape shifting into animals. Um, let us know. I think it's interesting. <laughs> well, and, and and I think um, another thing that's just kind of an, uh, interesting, the, the the way that we view vampires and werewolves and how it's become. I mean, we we think of vampires and werewolves today. That's that's those are monsters from entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. But when these things actually were myths, and people were legitimately grown adults were legitimately scared of these things, right? Yeah. That, well, I think I mean, we the... forget that that was once a thing. <laughs> Yeah, and there was a time when, well, I mean, it's not that hard to forget. I mean, visit the Creationist Museum sometime. True, and see the, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, but the, the kind of stuff that people believe when they're not informed about, you know, the real world. Anyway, not getting off on that tangent. So one other really interesting thing, though, that I discovered in doing doing research on this was um, uh, there's a, this really great book that I read this past summer, uh, Bill Wasek and Monica Murphy's book, Rabid, A Cultural History of the World's Most Diabolical Virus. It's an entire book on the history of rabies, which is really fascinating and really terrifying. I uh, learned a lot about this disease, and it's, it creeped the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that it talked about, there's a whole chapter that goes into the role of rabies into... Um, the the actual myths of vampires and werewolves. If you look at some of the symptoms huh. uh, that people get with with rabies, and we're talking going all the way back to like Petronius twenty seven to your your twenty seven year sixty six or uh, Gervais of Tilbury eleven fifty. You know, we're talking many 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 years ago. Yeah. And when people when when rabies was a thing, and they would you know try to describe the symptoms of this, they think that's played a role in where some of these myths of at least in Europe. Um, you know where well, people you know, acting and transforming like an, into an animal or yeah, you know, being beast like and bloodthirsty at, at yeah. the very least. So it was really interesting that you know rabies might actually have played a role in this too. But again, you know, as we kind of got off on this tangent with this, people actually used to legitimately fear vampires. I mean, look at look at how many people used to bury their dead and sometimes still do in in uh, Eastern Europe. Yeah. Absolutely. There are still places in the world today, so I've read, 
I've not visited Eastern Europe, but that still kind of socially believe that, you know, vampirism is a real thing. And that if you don't adhere to certain things with, you know, taking care of your, your dead, that there is a possibility that they will, you know, walk and drink, you know, drink blood, wake up in the night. Um, so, you know, it, it's, well, and, it's yeah. not, we're not that far removed. I mean, we're talking 19th century here. <laughs> we're not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, by, I actually read too that like before the end of the 19th century, uh, it was common belief among Greeks that werewolves were real and if you didn't properly destroy a werewolf corpse <laughs> it would actually return to life as a vampire uh-huh. but in the form of a wolf or a hyena and then it would prowl the battlefields drinking the blood of dying soldiers oh, yes I, I i think that brings up an interesting point and that's from everything on a mytholo- from a mythology standpoint that i have i read about about vampires and werewolves kind of shows that these probably these two creatures kind of evolved from the same myths and i say myths because they're across i mean every culture kind of has their blood drinker myth right their their creature that yeah you know attacks in the night and sucks people dry up their blood but um the european tradition at least got tied together or maybe separated even like during a lot of the um i know i know americans are very uh aware of what happened in Salem, Massachusetts in the uh, Salem witch trials. Uh, maybe they're not aware that throughout most of Europe there was a major push by um, I know the Church of England, the Cat- the Catholic Church, uh, but witch trials was very much a major thing all throughout Europe and for a mm-hmm. lot longer than it went on here in the States. Um, so during that period of time it was often the vampire myth and the werewolf myth kind of ran together in a lot of ways because witches, which was, you know, everything outside of the ordinary got turned into witchcraft in some way um, or outside of mm-hmm. church doctrine even or people that upset, you know, the community or the church or et cetera, et cetera. People are probably vaguely aware of some of the atrocities committed in the name of battling witchcraft but yeah. um oh absolutely the, absolutely uh, but anyway shape-shifting was a major thing that supposedly witches could do is change their body into the into an animal or a beast and also they you know vampirism was something that often witches were accused of, of as well so those two things ran very close to one another uh throughout history until you know at some point in the 19th century and, and mostly what's what's cool about it is same as you know in the 2000s with films like underworld shows like the vampire diaries or film series like twilight um i just call all that stuff cool by the way so strike me dead but um the yeah, I, I, i'm the, kind of the cool kind thing of about right it <laughs> is where i'm going is that these those were all very much pop culture uh the separation originally i think were very much pop culture things too we were talking earlier about novels like like Dracula mm-hmm. and, and Carmela and, and eventually Barney the Vampire and a lot of the other Penny Dreadful stuff that vampires just kind of exploded post-Dracula into this, you know, uh, literary phenomenon because that was the you know main mode of fictional entertainment at the time. So very similarly, you got kind of a 
doctrine, and I really think it's Dracula. I think Dracula is the one that gives us our mythology. It gives us all of our vampire mythology, because Bram Stoker created half of the stuff that we believe about vampires. Uh, the fact that sunlight hurts yeah. them, that, crucifix, that they can't look at a crucifix. Um, the garlic thing comes from a little earlier, but I believe that's also a literature um, mm-hmm. yeah. installment. Also, in the novel Dracula, those of you that aren't familiar with the novel Dracula or some of the more faithful film adaptations, uh, the vampire Dracula is able to f- not only form himself into the shape of a bat, but also into the shape of a wolf, into the shape mm-hmm. of... Um, bugs and mist. mist and yeah all kinds of shape shifting yeah. so rats yes rats yeah yep. yeah which actually was something i really liked that they showed in in the questionably good <laughs> film Bram stoker's dracula francis ford coppola's film yes i mean it, it's everybody's like oh is that the one with the bad accents well, yeah <laughs> it is yes, it is but it's also the one with tom waits as renfield so yeah that makes that movie's up got its, its fair share of questionable decisions but it's also got some really great stuff in it going on so well it's got gary oldman too yeah. which, as we talked about you know a couple of weeks ago you know it's got gary oldman in it as and he's actually a pretty good dracula he, he actually fits the description of the book better than bella lugosi oh sure yeah um, yeah. It was actually the, and we're gonna, this is going to turn into a Dracula show if you don't stop me, but just real quickly that the stage play adaptation in the early um, 20th century is actually where um, Dracula became like the suave kind of sexy European count rather than kind of the monstrous um Basically Gary Oldman in the beginning of the film is kind of the depiction that Dracula has throughout Bram Stoker's novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sexy, sexy Dracula came with uh, the stage adaptation. Really um, hit that home, and really, uh, Bela Lugosi was one of the first actors to play that role on stage, and um, so he helped kind of create that. Believe it or not, uh, Bela Lugosi was considered a sex symbol um, on the stage and after his portrayal of Dracula. So apparently, that was a very alluring very uh, sensual performance on his part so um hmm. I, I think it's an incredible performance and it's one of my favorite cinema performances of all time so uh, i'm not gonna slam gary oldman in any way i think he's an incredibly talented actor but i mean bella lugosi kind of almost owns dracula if you're gonna if you're gonna make an argument you better be arguing between bella and christopher lee because i'll take that argument as as, as you know balance but yeah yeah i mean if i just it's been a long time since i read dracula but i do remember like i had an easier time in reading the book in in kind of seeing christopher lee in that role yeah. as as Bron, as bella lugosi and i love bella lugosi's performance and that's it's one of my favorite films yes but it is very different original. from the literary dracula for but sure. it, it is it is and but uh yeah and i know you've you've done some research too on bram stoker that'd be another kind of neat uh, episode to do sometime is just kind of a history of him as a person because he's a very fascinating guy from what i understand yeah he uh, was an interesting dude yeah and i'm, I'm not going to yeah. derail this anymore but yeah that could be a whole other yeah. conversation so um well I and, think you know so we've been that, talking about yeah i was gonna say i think this no, all leads us to where we've gotten a couple times we should spend a little more time on talking about is that this is really a rather new phenomenon and i i, I can't find yeah. anything in his to give it credit to except for you know underworld as a film being kind of the crux of this and i think what people were drawn to more than the kind of sloppy matrix ripoff 
that the movie kind of plays as in a lot of parts. But I think the people were drawn to the mythology. And I will say that those that portion of the film, kind of the backstory of the film itself, is is not it's not uninteresting. Um, I think the execution of the film was it's like the weakest compliment I've ever heard. <laughs> well, yeah, it's and not it, uninteresting. <laughs> okay, it, it, okay, but I know what you let's, mean. Let's get this straight. I actually didn't hate the movie as much as I'm letting it on that I am. I see that it was kind of the birthplace of this vampire werewolf romance melodrama thing um, yeah. that eventually would would metamorphose. You know, it would shift itself into you know the, all these television shows and and the Twilight Saga and all that stuff that would come later. Uh, this was probably a little higher concept than some of the stuff that would, that follows, but um, it's its best. It, the uh, the movie Underworld is actually its best when it's the most melodramatic. I actually hate it the most when it's an action movie. So yeah. I actually kind of like the, um, the really over the top hammy melodrama in it, and the history is okay, and like it, or the the mythology that it paints is is not un it's, like I said not uninteresting. It's 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 well thought out. It's not a total. Like somebody behind this at one point was putting some thought into it. Um, yeah, it's not a great movie because it just—I mean, talk about we talk about things that you know we grew up on or that really aren't incredibly old, but just feel really dated. And this era of movies right now for me is like the worst of those. And maybe we'll maybe later on in yeah. life it'll come back and not feel so. It's kind of like people looked back on the '80s and the '90s and really like were like, "Ugh, I'm very turned off by everything '80s." And now we're kind of like all back into it again right so we'll see if that ever happens with i'm you know what i'm sure for somebody it will yeah yeah yeah. i don't know maybe not us i think (laughs) i think it's more of the age that you're experiencing Mm -hmm. like you know 10 years ago the 90s were really annoying and now like i see people bringing up the 90s going yeah that was kind of cool (laughs) that was kind of cool but but you know the 80s like i'm already getting kind of tired of all the 80s references yeah, because it was like, yeah, that was my some of my earliest memories, and yeah, you've you've jogged that memory in me now, and I guess I'm, you know, then again, I'm also by doing that kind of saying we should stop doing this podcast, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> right. So the thing about Underworld, but, you know, I, I think is that... I was going to say that the yeah the Underworld films are. Um, I remember being really excited to go see this in college. Yeah, and I well, let's not get ourselves really let down this because is... it was the Matrix thing that was what killed it yeah. for me. Let's not kid ourselves. Just, this I is think, totally yeah. Twilight for dudes too. So like. This is the same, essentially the same story, just with a lot more guns and a lot more yeah. blood and, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, anyway. Which just, like, like yeah, adds I... another thing that I've discovered that kind of, you know, points towards Stephanie Meyer's Twilight series as being the most unoriginal garbage that I've ever read. But anyway, that's besides the point. I haven't read any of it, so, <laughs> you know that's all you yeah yeah <laughs> actually i i haven't seen a twilight movie or read a twilight story just the the idea killed it for me it was like underworld already did this and it had too much action and this is all just like weepy I melodrama mean, yeah i take this from no. uh if underworld is the male gaze let's say then uh you know mm-hmm. twilight is essentially the same story from the female perspective if well, that's selling a lot of people short. Vampires, yeah, hey, I mean, that's... sparkling vampires. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I didn't write it. <laughs> it's a, this, this is my yeah, right. This is this is my thing. I I'm still experiencing this, and I hate to say it, but I'm still on vampire burnout. Yeah, and it goes. I mean, I'm it on, goes I'm back to the underworld worse, but this vampire yeah. burnout is definitely. I don't know, like 
Well, you could throw some like classical vampire movies at me, you know, set them in the 19th century and, you know, have there be castles and and, you know, make make a movie like in Hammer style again and I'm all I'm I'm there. I'll I'll see anything like that. I don't want to see yeah. any give me, I don't give want to me, see any more of these f- Matrix action vampire crap movies no. and I don't want to see give any more Fright like Night. teen romance vampire movies. Um No. Yeah, anyway. I want vampires to be monsters again and um God, who was who was it? Somebody was was saying that like we haven't been. I think it might have been like Neil Gaiman or something like that, or Clive Barker's. Like we haven't been respectful to vampires. We need to put vampires away until we learn how to play with them properly again. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember who it was, but it was some famous some some horror writer. Yeah, I think it was Neil Gaiman, but I think and if not, it was somebody great. But um, you know, I that's that's my thing. I really enjoyed Thirty Days of Night because it made vampires monsters again yeah yeah uh, i i liked fright night obviously i love the original fright night and the remake that came out a couple years ago with with uh was it colin first david tennant um sorry no <laughs> yeah and david tennant's <laughs> yeah. in it too yeah that actually wasn't bad i heard it wasn't, it, I it wasn't bad it, but, yeah. because it's a vampire as a monster movie and fright night's a great story that you could make over and over again and it's always it's always good whenever they make it over and over again but and I, I was going to actually mention too. There's one film that has bre- it is, it's in a, a brief part of the film that has done the vampires and werewolves are mortal enemies, but the movie's awesome. And that is what we do in the shadows. Oh man, yeah, another one I really need to see because I have not. Holy shit! You haven't seen no. that. I'm I'm calling you out. It oh is my god! On my, it, I think it's in one of my queues, probably on Amazon Prime because I don't think it's on Netflix. But um, yeah, I need to need to sit down and watch it. I meant to. That's... I like like a lot of things you mean to get to, and it's just one that keeps falling off. But yeah, I'll, especially after doing the show, and now that uh, you say that, I'll have to. Uh... Well, so we we had Ryan Steiskel on the show early on in the podcast history. We did our, our famous kaiju episode, famous like right. how many people listen to it? Yeah, our it's, kaiju episode. It's famous, it is. <laughs> it's famous. Um, and we had Ryan on there. Ryan actually is the one who showed me what we do in the shadows. In fact, no, he wasn't here when I watched it. He just sent me a text and said, "Have you seen this movie?" And I said, uh, "No." And he goes, "Drop what you're fucking doing right now yeah. and watch it." I know it. I, and I was like, All right. "I know enough and about yeah, it to I'm know that I've missed out and that I need to see it." So it's. It's, it, it it is one of the best vamp vampire films I've seen. It's funny and as hell. Here but... is why my life sucks because I spent two and a half hours watching the unrated extended version of Underworld this week when I could have been watching <laughs> something like that. <laughs> well, and the werewolf stuff is just it's it's kind of not it's not a major part of it, but it's worth it. It's worth it for what for what's in there. Um, as far as other media that have had a vampire fight a werewolf. You know, I mean, there was the Van Helsing movie, which we try oh, not God, to remember. Yeah, that was the same era, um, kind of, as Underworld. Yeah. Um, There's a couple of Tales from the Crypt episodes, but also, and, and I think this is an important media we can't forget, is comic books. Yeah. And I, and in in Marvel's film, uh, or film, film the hell, yeah. Marvel series Werewolf by Night, Jack Russell, the Werewolf by Night, mm-hmm. uh, actually does fight Dracula in the early 70s. Yeah, and that was a crossover. Marvel was doing a, a series of Dracula comics as well yep. a long-running series actually and they did like son of dracula and dracula's daughter and a bunch of basically mm-hmm. uh universal monsters characters um right right 
So yeah, I mean it's it's in all sorts of these different media, but you're so, right. It's always been just two characters that are fighting. It's never been a a cultural history of of you know like a, a long backstory among you know vampires in general versus werewolves in general. Really, that is created by Underworld. Wow, they did something. But it's and you know what? When I said at the beginning of this, at the top of this episode, that you know I kind of went down a rabbit hole on this. Here's why. Because once I realized that. And I realized, wow, so that's only been, what, like 15 years? Yep. But it's been used so much since then. It's been used in all these, you know, the Underworld series, the the Twilight films. It's been used in True Blood and Vampire Diaries and all, mm-hmm. on and on and on and on and on. There's this long vampire. It's, per, it's, it's kind of infiltrated pop culture so quickly and so heavily that I kind of reverse Mandela affected myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, into thinking, well, maybe there's this Mandela effect, right? Where you, you remember something one way and it's not. It's yeah. like, no, I thought this would, like went way back. No, 15 years, that's it. That's it. Less than half my age. Yeah. Well, do you think it's that <laughs> or do you think it's that we've just been so oversaturated with it that the whole world kind of believes at this point that it is? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, it, it, it hits so heavy and it's been so into I mean, this media. And now, you know, if people that might be actually accidentally listening to this episode, they're going to be going, what the hell are you talking about? You know, if you if you watch vampire and werewolf stories and films and comics and read the books and all that, this has become such a popular thing that it's it's changed the mythology. Mm-hmm. You know? It's ultimately changed the mythology just like you know, you can go to the source material for Dracula and you can read what, what Bram Stoker originally said, you know, Dracula, what a vampire looked like. But then you go back, you know, hundreds of years ago or a thousand years ago and vampires are portrayed as, you know, oh, they're these bloated, you know, rotting ghouls that, that dig up graves and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Bram Stoker made a change and then for the next, you know, what century we've been... Over a century now, we've been that's those are vampires. Yeah. They're whatever Bram Stoker said. Zombies. George Romero did that with zombies. Exactly. Zombies were and now, um, you know creation of voodoo magic and and mm-hmm. such prior to that. If there are any appearances that they had in films prior to that. And actually he was basing his what he was calling zombies was really he admits or admitted was a ripoff of, of Richard Matheson's I Am Legend. Yeah. Yeah. Which in that they were more vampires. Yeah. <laughs> So, it's, you know, it's kind of, there's this relationship. I mean, the way we portray zombies, the way we portray vampires in pop culture, and now the way we talk about vampires and werewolves are all very, very recent kind of cultural species in the, in this pop culture evolution. They, they're they relatively recent, considerably. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just kind of, it's neat that we can, you're, it's kind of, I guess that was the, the mind-blowing thing to me, was like, wow, we're actually witnessing a paradigm shift here. We're witnessing a cultural shift in how we look at these mythical creatures. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And so. I think it was an interesting thing to do a show on this because I, I, I think we both came to the same realization at the end of the day, and that's that this isn't mythology, or at least it's not a mythology prior to like the early part of the century, right? So in the early 2000s where where these rules were rewritten and, and we were told that these two you know mythological creatures are actually at war with one another and you know um, are en- yeah. natural enemies and it's become such a big thing that uh it's become 
modern mythology. I mean, it's the same way that myths have shaped, been shaped. It just, you know, with the saturation of media that we have nowadays, instead of taking a century, it took 15 years, <laughs> you know, and it really did yeah, take 10 years. Yeah, and that's, years, that's you know, pretty like, amazing. Yeah, yeah, so it is. really quite amazing. Love or hate the movies and the, and the, the media that it created. And I'm not going to say anything bad about, you know, all of them. I might, I'm not going to just review the entire genre and say it's all crap, um, because there's probably gems out there. Um, I, I, I have struggling to have find one off the top of my head that I really, really love, but um, I'm sure there's some good stuff. I have to check out what we do in the shadows. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I think I think that, it's interesting. That's... So, yeah, I, I, mean, it I really guess that's where I'm going to land. About in this. What is yeah, I mean, I guess what it's left me with, you know, this this kind of diving into this research a little bit and thinking about it, it really made me start to think, and I don't want to get off on, you know, a whole big thing here, but uh, just about myths in general and about how many things in, and I'm not talking religion necessarily, mm-hmm. but, you know, just even the the way that we do things and the beliefs that we have about how things are. I mean, it's all myths can, can evolve and change and sculpt pretty quick. Yeah. And it kind of just makes you think, well, especially I think in the modern world when we're, like I said, just the oversaturate or the oversaturation, I mean, the amount of films and television shows and everything that are produced when one thing's popular, like let's say a movie like underworld, which I believe was very popular when it came out. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, just look at the amount of stuff that is created based upon that idea. And that shapes our mythology, I think. Um, Same way that we're going to come out of this decade, uh, or maybe actually the last decade, um, or, yeah, no, this decade, the the 20-teens, our zombie oversaturation, I'm sure that that whole thing has been rewritten now. It it was when things like The Walking Dead and et cetera were getting kicked off, it was very much based on the Romero zombie kind of world, but it's changed into a thing mm-hmm. all its own. So, um, Well, and actually, I'm glad you brought that up because there was a brief period of time, too, where we almost saw a, a split in, in the, the way zombies are portrayed by having fast-moving and running zombies. You know, there was a... Everything's kind of gone back to slow yeah. and, and, you know, stumbling again. People preferred that, but they... You know, Zack Snyder, we, we reviewed on the, our first uh, episode, yeah. we reviewed Dawn of the Dead, right? Yep. And, you know, the, the fast-moving zombies. The Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead. Right. And, and you know, of course, the 28 days later, and 20, uh, uh, 28 weeks later, you know, all fast-moving, quote-unquote, zombies. There's been uh, World War Z. You know, there's they've done this a few times. And I think overall people didn't like it. So they rejected that, and now we're back to shambling zombies again. Because I think that's people where finally a myth, a myth that, like, almost split, and it, it. But there was something people were like, no, I want to keep that as part of my myth. We so we have a control, yeah, over our myths as well, which is kind of interesting. Well, I think it's also the we way actually it's are a bit aware because people are attracted to things like suspense and, um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, f- frightening. I, I, like like we were talking about like the two thousand three when it, when the movie Underworld comes out, where we have a culture obsessed with you know big loud action movies the matrix was a major hit and that was kind of informing everything that was going on um in many ways fast moving zombies are probably an offshoot of that period of time um because everything was fast and frenetic and action movies were kind of everything that was everything and even horror movies were action movies and etc etc so uh i think eventually people tire of trends right so 
the vampire thing kind of burned itself out. The werewolf vampire werewolf thing eventually kind of burned itself out. I think we're finally at the end of, of that. And the zombie thing is certainly declining in popularity at the moment. So things are cyclical mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll come back to all of those things. But speaking of coming to... Uh, got to come to the end of this so i was going to ask if you have any yeah. final thoughts on the our vampire versus werewolf well, studies yeah, here you know, so. this this um yeah this was kind of a roller coaster thing to explore and i'm really glad that we did this and i'd like to do more episodes like this on and off you know over over you know, as we as we chug along um and i've already got some ideas for some other ones because i'm, I'm pretty happy with kind of how this i feel happy with how this is kind of turning out is we both kind of came to the same dis- same discovery which is good you know kind of yeah you know, we both we both independently verified this mm-hmm. that this isn't that old of a thing, but wow, the ramifications that it has in understanding about um, it's a neat kind of experiment in looking at pop culture trends and long term mythology because I don't think the vampire werewolf relationship as it's portrayed popularly now is going to go away anytime soon. No, no, I think I that's mean, cemented I, I think, in the. In I, I, yeah, I think they've really cemented in, but it's interesting how other things don't, like fast-moving zombies. <laughs> right. You know that one didn't. That one didn't stick. What made this one stick? That's just something more to. That's something I like to do. I watch, you know, watch movies. Isn't this what we all really want out of a film? Is to get some kind of experience from it. And in this case, it wasn't a film, but just kind of exploring a trope. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, an, an emotion that is trying to be conveyed from a film or a story they're trying to tell. And in this case, uh, yeah, it's just been a neat reflection on on the way that we look at myth and the way that we look at pop culture. It's been really, really fascinating. Agreed, yeah. I I, I do think it's, it's interesting that independently researching, we both came to the same conclusion, and we're both surprised by it, which is funny, because that's how quickly we forget um, when we were first introduced to an idea, especially an idea that we've been presented with, you know, hundreds of different times at this point. Um, and the fact that mm-hmm. I had never actually even seen the film that we're crediting most of this stuff to prior to yeah. this week. So, um, mm-hmm. well, and you know what, I, I want to make sure that we're giving proper credence to, because you brought it up at the top of the show is, you know, vampire, the masquerade. Yes. They were the first absolutely. ones to really start playing with that story. Now we, I, I don't mean this know is a movie podcast, Underworld... so we tend to focus on you know yeah. movies. But yes, absolutely. Like literary wise, and I yes, I I and and again, this isn't too and and hopefully somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I don't get the impression that the Underworld franchise got any inspiration for that relationship between vampires and werewolves from Vampire the Masquerade. That seems to be too kind of independently uh, derived ideas. I would. Th- but I could be wrong. I think that you would have to be wrong on that. Just because it's... I don't know. Not like it's such an out-there idea, but it just has so many similarities to, I think, that universe that I, I think it... Obviously, it's been giving, uh, given a healthy do- dose of action movie and all that stuff in, in, you know, in Underworld, but um, certainly mm-hmm. I think it's informed by that universe. So... Uh, well, that's I something know. I'll that, you know, I, can, more I can check. I yeah. Would, uh... yeah, I'm going to check into that, too, because I could be wrong. But it's uh, it, it it is if it if it is actually inspired by Vampire the Masquerade, then I don't know, know if I'd go I as far as to them, quote unquote, inspired by. But like somebody would have had to been aware of that game, that relationship, the universe that exists in 
I think, to come up with something like yeah. Underworld. And maybe I'm wrong. It, like I said, it's not like something that's like so out there. I mean, people in no, you in know, fact, the 1940s I guess when they're the, making these universes, yeah. making these monster mash movies, they they thought of the idea, hey, let's pit the vampire versus the werewolf. You know, that's a so it's not like it's so out there you couldn't come up with it. But I think it's just the way it's presented in that movie seems very similar to what they were doing with the masquerade but anyway mm. yeah. not gonna stretch this out any longer on that i will do some more reading on vampire the masquerade in fact i might even check out that the uh official rule book on that and see if it's something i might be interested in playing someday just because it's interesting so yeah um, it'd be worth checking out yeah absolutely but anyway so, so we got a lot of exciting yeah. stuff coming up so we finally did some scheduling and uh Tell us a little bit about what we have coming up in the next few months, if you can remember off the top of your head. <laughs> uh, let's see. We have a special Christmas anthology series that we are going to be doing. Yay. So, so we're going to be closing out the year that way. It'll be our second uh, Forgotten Franchise show, actually, uh, which will mm-hmm. drop on Christmas Day. Uh, I have no idea what day of the week that is, but we'll get to get it to you on Christmas. Um, and uh, yeah. you guys can go ahead and start, you know guessing what that's going to be but it's probably pretty obvious since we it is going to be a christmas themed franchise so yeah because there are so many (laughs) christmas themed i'll even say horror franchises okay yeah now (laughs) you've pretty much narrowed it down but anyway so well are there any non-horror ones well you know can't think of any of those either yeah but uh yeah, and we also have the Santa uh, a couple of other... There's three of them. Yeah. Counts as a franchise. Oh, shit, you're right. I don't know. Okay. Anyway. Well, this isn't that. <laughs> not that. This is not that. Um, and then we also have a couple of uh, some potential guests that we're going to be trying to get on the show kind of at the beginning of the next year. Yes. And um, and we've, we've got just some some just fun kind of classics that we're going to be, be, be kicking out at, at you guys. So, uh, yeah, plenty of stuff coming up. I think one of the films we're going to be doing is Night of the Demons. Yeah. Which, um, you know, it's funny because you brought that one up that to, to do sometime, you know, as an episode coming up here fairly soon. And um, I think it was right after we got done recording, I, I went upstairs and turned on the TV and it was actually on. Oh, really? So I, <laughs> I watched like the last half of it again, which made me realize, oh, yeah, I got to go back and watch. But I actually got it, kept getting it confused with its sequel, which is also pretty good. So Yeah, you know, I've uh, never yeah, seen well, either of them. I picked that one off of a list you gave me because it's one I've always wanted to see, and I never have. But Yeah, those are fun. So that'll be a that'll lot be of fun first time uh, reviewing that those, too. Cool. So, yeah, what else do we have coming up? Um, I think we have some other stuff that's outside of the realm of horror as well. So going to tackle some uh, comedy films and... Uh, I believe some action films as well. Um, action, sci-fi, we're gonna be all over the board, um, floating into early next year. Or so, lots of exciting stuff coming up. Looking forward to having uh, some more interviews and guests on the show. Uh, hopefully, get a few guest hosts back as well. We always had fun on the show. Yeah. The couple shows we have had a chance to do that. You mentioned Ryan Steiskel mm-hmm. earlier. We should have Ryan back on someday. Maybe we'll do a what we do in the shadows mm-hmm. show since I've never seen it. Give me an excuse to watch it since most of the movies I watch yeah. these days are for the podcast. So um, yeah, I'll have to get him on. Yeah, that'd be fun. But anyway, that's not scheduled. So <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Lot. So long story short, lots of exciting stuff coming up. As always, if you have something you absolutely think we need to check out, give us the recommendation. We'll try to get it on the show. ASAP. Yeah. And drop us a line and let us know if you think that there's something we've uh, 
left out uh, in our discussion here about vampires and werewolves. I'm sure there's there's some uh, some form of media that we've we've missed, but please help us fill in the gap because this is kind of, like I said, a really kind of a neat exercise in, in looking at pop culture Absolutely. and trends. So, okay, well, otherwise, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up for tonight. Yeah, that does it. Thanks for us, everybody yeah. for thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, this is Joe Peterson. And this is Eric O'Branson. Have a good night, everybody. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but. I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash videojunkyardpodcast on Twitter at videojunkpod and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard. <laughs>